welcome to the Content Journeys podcast, a monthly discussion about the world of content in business. I'm your host, Alan Porter. From practical use cases to the latest innovations, we'll take a look at where we are today and where we are going tomorrow. In short, the journeys we take with our content. Each month, we chat to an invited guest from the world of content, practitioners, analysts, industry thought leaders, creative and operational folks to give a wider perspective as possible on how content impacts the business at every stage of the digital supply chain from idea to customer experience. This month, we're joined by Alyssa Fox, Vice President of Channel Marketing at Alert Logic, And I asked Alyssa to join us on the Content Journeys podcast to chat about the crossover between traditional technical content and marketing content. But before we dive in, maybe Alyssa, you can give us a little background about yourself and why the world of content is something that's near and dear to your heart. Thanks, Alan. It's good to be here. So my background in my career started in technical content. I learned about technical communication during college when I went to a co-op invitational session about how to work on content across technology. I had never heard of technical writing before, and I thought, this sounds really cool. I like to write, I like technology, and this is the perfect blend. So I started out in technical content as a co-op in college, and then I took a technical writing position when I graduated college. After working through technical content and UX initiatives for probably close to 15 years, I decided that I wanted to get closer to the business and work with customers and understand how what I was doing every day made an impact on the overall business. So I started looking at cross-functional content strategy. So I began an initiative with our marketing organization to see how we could tell a story in marketing that would go all the way through from people buying our solution to how they use the solution and understand how the technical content aligned with that marketing content. After working on that cross-functional initiative for a while, I decided I wanted to move into marketing to lead the content strategy across the organization from a marketing standpoint. And that's how I ended up where I am now. Very cool. And you and I have known each other on and off in both roles, technical content Mm -hmm. and marketing. Sort of our careers have paralleled each other, I think, pretty much since we first met. So that's quite interesting. I know I have my set questions, but I actually want to pick up on something that you just said, that you said that you wanted to move from technical content to marketing to get closer to the business and closer to the customers. When you think about technical content, that's what customers use. So why do you think technical content is so divorced from the business and divorced from the customer facing role? That's a great question. I think in many organizations, there's not a strategic viewpoint to how the content across the organization will work together. For example, yes, the technical content users are using the solution to help them do their jobs or hopefully help them make their jobs easier every day. But a lot of times marketing is telling a story to their buyers and prospects about how our solution can make your job easier. But for some reason, they don't communicate. The marketing organization and the technical content organization don't always communicate. So whatever story marketing is telling and the value that the users or buyers believe that the solution is going to bring them doesn't always come across in the technical content. And I think that's often because the lack of communication between the two teams, as well as on the technical content writer's side, not always understanding the value. Sometimes they get too into the nitty gritty of how to use a UI, for example, or how to integrate some products, but don't look at the overall value and outcomes they're stuck in feature and capability land. Do you think it may also be symptomatic of the way that those departments are sort of seen from a budget point of view? I mean, traditionally, I know when I was first running a technical publications department, it was seen as a an overhead and not as a profit center. So there's no real way of measuring its impact while marketing 
has very well-defined KPIs, key performance indicators, and lots of data around how things are performing. We may not be always measuring the right thing, but we've got lots of data, and that makes it easier to, I think, for marketing to communicate within the organization about its impact or technical publications, technical documentation has a hard job doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. I think one of the biggest things that holds technical content teams back is their lack of measurement and analysis of how their content is being used and performing. And I think that's definitely something that they can learn from the marketing team. If you aren't putting the content out there and measuring it in some way and being able to show to those of the executives that call you a cost center, then they're always going to see you as a cost center. But if you're showing them that, hey, this is bringing in this many hits to the website, this is converting into this many opportunities, this is working alongside the marketing content to bring prospects in, then you have a better chance of being labeled somebody that does impact revenue versus only being a cost center. So we've both been using the the word content quite freely. And one of the things I always like to ask a guest is, what do you think about when you hear the word content in a business sense? What does that word content mean to you? Because it covers an awful lot of things these days. I think content is everything. I think there are so many things that are content in a business environment that people don't think of as content. A lot of times people look at marketing content or technical content and kind of leave it there. But to me, it's everything from the emails we write to communicate internally and externally to the marketing content we use to generate buyer demand to those technical how-to guides or videos. It's also things like content you put together to talk to investors about what you're trying to do, your brand your organization, if you're interested in a merger or acquisition, everything that we do almost is content. And we write and communicate constantly, whether it's written content or verbal content, all of that in a business context is important. So you're probably the first guest we've had on here who's mentioned internal content and the importance of internal content. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. So I talk to my team all the time about how they communicate in their emails, for example, or even in their Microsoft Teams or Slack messages. Because when you aren't communicating clearly about what you want or what you're trying to do with an internal teammate, you're wasting time and money. And I feel like because we talk about content as a business asset, if it's going to be a business asset, to me, it's doing one of two things. It's either saving you money or it's generating money. And if we're spending a lot of time going back and forth, for example, in an email chain that has 35 people on it, and 17 emails have gone by, guess how much time you're wasting and how much money you're wasting if you look at how much each of those people cost a company. So the way I look at it is it makes it worth it to take a few minutes to think about what you're going to say in an email, make sure that you're coming across clearly, make sure if you have a request that it's clear so that people can respond in a clear way too, and then not have to spend all that time and money just going back and forth. Time is money, right? Everybody says that. And to me, Content is time and money, and clear content saves you that time, which is saving you that money. That's great. I love that. I love that emphasis on the internal process because getting the internal processes right helps drive the external processes to be much more efficient and a higher quality as well. Yeah, that's great. So you just actually lovely segue into my next question because you just mentioned content as a business asset. We hear the phrase "content is king." I think it's a well-worn and probably well past its sell-by date phrase, but still, a lot of companies they throw that that wording around, but they don't look at content as a business asset. Why do you think that is? As you've sort of seen it from two different aspects of the business. Yeah, I don't think people always realize the impact it has. Like what we just talked about, you know, with emails, people don't think about sending 10 emails about the same topic when they could hop on a five minute call and make that a lot clearer. Either they don't have a fuller 
more holistic view of content. They have a very narrow-minded view of content. Like, oh, content is our marketing collateral. No, that's one out of about 100 different types of content that you have in your organization. Or they don't realize the importance that it really plays in communication, whether it's communication to your buyers and prospects, internal communication like we talked about, or even communication to the users of a particular software product. Let me give you an example. My company was just acquired by another company. We spent months working on content for due diligence, for shopping ourselves to prospective buyers, and talking about content from all different parts of the organization. We had finance heavily involved, of course, because prospective buyers want to look at your books. We had marketing content, which I was heavily involved with. You know, Here's how we market. Here's how we go to market. Here's how we target our audience. We had things in there about sales. All of that is content, right? We had PowerPoint deck after PowerPoint deck after PowerPoint deck. And even though that's internal content, do you think that had an impact on the acquisition? Absolutely. Because what we put in that content is important to the buyers and it's important that it be clear. It's important that it tell a certain story, which was the story we wanted to tell as the selling company. It made sure that our business going forward is going to be the best that it can be under our new owners. So that's one area of content that I think people don't think of if they're stuck over here. Well, content is our PDF things that we take to our shows. That's all marketing fluff, right? As far as how it impacts our business, we talked about the emails. It's also about how we talk to our partners. So I run channel marketing for my organization. The way that we present a story to a partner is going to impact whether or not they sell us. If we don't tell a clear story or if we don't help them to the point where they feel like they are comfortable selling our solution, guess what? They're not going to sell our solution. So that impacts our bottom line as well as the partner's bottom line. So that verbal communication, the way we put decks together to show who AlertLogic is and what we do is important with our partners. The agreements that we build with our customer and partners, the way that we put content in there, even though people were like, ah, it's a lot of legalese. Well, it's legal content that impacts your business. And the way that you set up those agreements where it's beneficial for AlertLogic as well as our partners is a big deal or AlertLogic as well as our customers. And then finally, just you know, going back to the roles of technical and marketing content, building those together so that they look like they come from one company, they're telling a continuous story all the way through, again, impacts your brand, impacts the market's perception of your brand. And if it seems disjointed, they're going to think it's disjointed, be less comfortable coming to you as a vendor versus someone else. Very cool. And again, I like the fact that you're actually putting emphasis on the internal stuff, stuff like PowerPoints and things. I mean, content strategy applies to PowerPoints as much as anything else. As you said, it's not just about the PDFs we put out on the website and we do too much of that anyway, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> so, all right. I mentioned it earlier, both you and I sort of had parallel careers. We both started off in technical communications and sort of moved into more marketing roles. We're both still actively involved in technical documentation as well. So what skills and practices do you feel that TechDoc brings into the marketing sphere and maybe vice versa as well? How, how do these two areas overlap? So I would say the first thing, you know, everybody says knowing your audience is TechCom 101. Exact same thing for marketing. Everything about content to me is knowing your audience 101 because your content needs to be tailored. Your message needs to be tailored to who that audience is and what they want to hear. So that is number one for me, the biggest similarity I see between the two. Understanding a need and writing to that need, again, that's you know right in alignment with knowing your audience. So for TechCom, it's users of your product, solution, or service, and knowing how to use that product or solution or service on a daily basis to realize the value that you need to make your job easier. Marketing your audience's buyers and customers and knowing how to show the value up front so that they will then buy the product so that then they will get down to be a user and understand how it helps them every day. 
I think that is probably the number one similarity that I see between marketing and technical content. I think researching your audience, you have to research them to know them, right? A lot of times that's very well done in technical content, but not as well done in marketing content. I've seen a lot of marketing teams make assumptions about their audience without ever going to talking to their audience. And uh, that's a real problem. That's a problem on the prospecting side, as well as the existing customer side. You know, I work in a SaaS business and more and more businesses are SaaS, software as a service. And it's not a matter where you just sign a three to five year contract and then you're, you have those people for three to five years. You can sign a year contract. And then at the end of that year, if they aren't feeling like they're getting content that's relevant and useful to them, guess what? They're going to drop. So if you're not marketing to your existing customers, as well as your prospective customers, that tends to be a problem. And I think that's one thing marketing can learn from TechCom. TechCom is constantly trying to make sure that their documentation, their videos, everything that they provide, that, that technical content keeps the users aware of how to use the product and realize the value that marketing has promised them. But if marketing is not doing the same thing and keeping the existing customers aware of the ongoing value that they provide, then they're not going to renew at the end of their contract term. I also like to think that technical communication brings the skills or the idea of being able to communicate things in a clear, concise way as well. You know, we're great lovers of bulleted lists and short paragraphs and yes. you know, punchy each paragraph being a particular step of the process and stuff. And sometimes marketing, I think sometimes people think they're writing a novel rather than actually, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, trying to get a message over in a clear, concise way. You know, you have to sort of really dig into the pros to find out what it is they're trying to sell. And I think technical documentation really brings that skill, I think, to be able to get the message over. Great point. I think so many people I talk to that don't really understand marketing or they're more familiar with business-to-consumer marketing versus business-to-business marketing like I do, think marketing is fluff. They think it's fluffy and they think it's advertising. Going back to your points about the concise way that we write, the bulleted list, you know, being able to show the story that we're trying to tell, which is the value and the outcomes that we can bring you in a way that's not written like that, takes away from that, in my opinion, you know, misaligned perception that people have with marketing. Yeah, very much so. Talking of which, I, I think you've heard me use this. I have a phrase that I like to use sometimes that all marketing is content and all content is marketing. Do you have any sort of opinion on that? I think you sort of answered this earlier on when we were talking about Mm -hmm. internal content and what is content, but... No, I I 100% agree with that. And I'll address it from both ways. All marketing is content and all content is marketing. So I tell people all the time that you can't do anything in marketing without content. You can't have paid media campaigns. You can't have content syndication campaigns without content. You can't do email nurture campaigns because again, there's content in those emails. So they all revolve around sending people to useful content. Even though things that you think of as people speaking, webinars, trade shows, in-person partner events, all of them are focused on a message that you're trying to get across, which is content. And you're typically giving people things afterwards. For example, a webinar, you usually send a PowerPoint out. People can go and listen to the webinar and they're receiving content audibly, but then they want something to look at afterwards, all content. So anything you do in marketing, and there's all different aspects of marketing, demand generation, events, planning, measurement, and of course, branding, it all points back to content. So I firmly believe all marketing is content. Everything points back to that. As far as all content is marketing, you know, my thoughts on that is first impressions count. A former manager of mine once told me that when you're interviewing someone, everything is information, even when it's not explicit, direct information. For example, if someone ghosts your interview, they're either disorganized or don't care about the job. With rare exception, obviously, there's emergencies. But in general, that's telling you something, right? That's information. If they tell you that they created a set of content that you actually created at that same company 10 years ago, you know that they're being dishonest. 
So it's all information. It's the same with marketing. If your social media post from your organization is irrelevant or insensitive or totally tone deaf based on what's going on in the world, it has an impact on your company's brand and how the market perceives that. And if your marketing content and technical content and partner content is misaligned or looks like it came from three different companies, guess what? Your prospects, your customers are going to go, this looks like three different companies. I'm not sure how this all fits together. And when that happens and they don't get that cohesive story, they're going to look elsewhere for something that doesn't confuse them or some vendor that does have that all in place. And those are just a couple of examples of what might happen if you don't approach content strategically across your organization, both within your teams and across the company. Yeah, very much so. So you've always been, and I know one of the main reasons that you and I have sort of worked together, you've always been and continue to be actively involved in the technical communications industry, and particularly with the professional body, the Society of Technical Communicators, the STC. Can you talk a bit about the STC and its aims and sort of how you think it fits into the, because it is for technical communicators, but I've always felt it had a bigger role to play and how it sort of fits in the broader content landscape. So STC seeks to advance technical communication as the discipline that transforms complex or difficult information into usable content for products, processes, and services. So I think it actually started almost 70 years ago now as a very specific and more narrow-focused organization. Back then, technical communication was more about writing manuals for scientific or airspace-type endeavors. But then a software has come into play, that's been one of the biggest areas that technical communications really flourished. So they really focus, SDC really focuses on identifying best practices in the field, demonstrating the economic value of technical communicators, and helping members develop foundational skills to advance in various career paths. And I would agree with you, Alan, that although it started as an organization for a very specific field and a very specific set of career skills, I think that has broadened as our industries have broadened. Technical writers can be great assets as UX writers, project managers, marketers, all of these different areas that probably didn't really come about from technical communication skills until really probably, I would say, the last 15, 20 years. But that's the nice thing about STC. But it's also hard for STC sometimes to fulfill the needs of all of those different career paths. However, at the same time, you know, I feel like the organization has the opportunity to move this 70-year-old profession into today's world by illuminating some of those career paths that perhaps technical writers or technical communicators haven't thought about and making sure that they help us look at the value of our communication skills and how that's helpful in an increasingly digital and cross-functional content world. Yeah, the number of content strategies and high-level content strategies that have come out of STC is, I think is quite illuminating too, industry leaders and so forth. I also think, you know, folks who are listening to this who maybe are in the marketing area could benefit from looking at what an organization like STC does or people who are in product marketing or the broader marketing scope, I think could also really benefit from looking at some of the programs that they do. And as you said, some of that cross-pollination that's going on, I think they both can inform each other very much so. And not quite sure when this will come out, but we might be just before or just after, but Alicia and I will be together at the STC regular summit, which I think is in Chicago this year. So if you're interested, just go check out the STC website for info on the, uh, the annual summit. Always a good few days, of really interesting content and information exchange. So just like to sort of sign off with one sort of, it's been a really enjoyable conversation, but what's a final thought? If you had to tell our listeners like one thing to do with their content today that could really improve the value of the content that they have in their organization, what would be that sort of go-to 
no matter what kind of content team you're in, marketing, professional services, product management, technical content, something we can all improve on is measuring how our content performs. That's not always easy. For example, I work with partners. So a lot of times, if I was working with content that was only used by AlertLogic, my company, for example, I have all the information about where I put it on the web, where I put it on social media channels, what kind of hits we're getting, what kind of hits might touch points that we can track through various marketing tech stack tools. All of that is very available to me. However, in my job working with partners, I don't always have all of that information. I give them content to use in their campaigns. And they, of course, track all that information in their CRM and their marketing tools, which sometimes comes back to me and sometimes doesn't. (laughs) So it can be a little frustrating, but I can also see how deal registrations and opportunities might improve over time as we continue to do that. So it's a little more of an indirect measurement, but it's still a measurement. Still, there are ways to measure that and to check what we're doing in both our direct demand generation efforts, as well as our partner demand generation efforts, and how that might be. But one way to make this easier is to understand upfront across the board, long before you create the content, why you're creating the content, what the purpose for the content is, and what goals you might have for that content. If you don't set that up front, you're basically creating content in a vacuum. And we've all seen the statistic of, you know, 70 to 75% of marketing content never gets used, never gets looked at. Well, guess what? That's most likely because people are just throwing content out there. Some salesperson stopped them in the hall and said, I need an ebook on X. Or we thought, again, because we didn't research our customers or buyers, that they would be interested in this. Then we find out that nobody hits that web page or a very small number hits that web page. So understanding that level of what the content is for and what the goals are is content strategy, right? And it's improving over time. And I think it's getting better on the marketing side, but I feel like it continues to be ignored or overlooked in many organizations. And of course, that prevents the goals from being set and from knowing whether it's performing up to snuff. So if you put a piece of content out there and you have no idea what it's for, or perhaps it's a brand awareness piece, which is harder to measure and is way more long-term than something that you're actually using to try to generate leads, then it's hard to measure. And you, you end up with a lot of content and no way to really talk about back to what we talked about earlier, whether you're a cost center or you're actually generating revenue. But when you do have that strategy in place, you have visibility into where each piece of content fits into the big picture and can reiterate the content that's performing well. And that brings your buyers and users to a better understanding of your story and your solution. Thank you. That's actually great. I mean, creating content for the sake of creating content or just because we did it last time or it's on a spreadsheet without asking why we're doing it and what the aim is and who. Yeah. And more importantly, as you quite rightly said, measuring it, I mean, it's really important. Otherwise, you're just putting things into a black hole. And mm-hmm. to go back to your earlier point about wasted time, you're wasting time, you're wasting money. Yeah. So really very important point. Thank you. So mm-hmm. Great point to end on. Thanks, Alyssa. Really great conversation, really valuable insights. It's been a pleasure having you join us today. If people want to find you online, continue the discussion with you, just see what you're up to. Where can they find you online? They can find me on Twitter at AFOX98. And I'm also on LinkedIn. I have Alyssa Fox in my URL. So that's easy to find as well. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast. I look forward to meeting you in person again. It's been, what, three years probably? I think so. (laughs) So uh, looking forward to uh, meeting up with you again in person in Chicago in in a few weeks. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Alyssa. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Content Journeys. Got a question or a comment? You can find us on Twitter at Nuxio or at Highland. Just use the hashtag Content Journeys. 
If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share and don't forget to subscribe to Content Journeys on your favorite podcast platform. And if you could leave a rating or a review too, that would be great. Again, a special thanks to Alyssa Fox for joining us today. And thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm your host, Alan Porter. Stay well, stay safe, produce good content and enjoy your journey. Content Journeys features the copyright-free music of Island by Jericho and special thanks by Roa. Content Journeys is a Highland production in association with Albrick Training and Design, LLC. Copyright 2021.